This is the Reflection Podcast from St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Hawthorne Woods, Illinois. I'm Ed Blonsky on the pastoral staff here, and each week on the podcast, I sit down and talk with someone who has been equipped by God to equip other people and to bring the hope of God and the power of God in Jesus Christ to other people in this world. And I invite you to share this podcast with others who may be encouraged to listen for the answer, listen for the call of God in their life, and to see how maybe they've been equipped by God to go out into the world and to help other people in this world that's increasingly becoming more insane as time goes on. And I mean, it's no doubt about it, this world is is going uh, in a lot of different directions. And as people of God, as followers of Jesus, I truly believe that we have something that they could use. And so I have these discussions with people in the pastor's office so that they can be seen as someone whom God has called to a specific area of ministry, that God has equipped them to equip other people. And maybe you are being called by God in a certain area. So let's go ahead and get started today. Let's see who's in the pastor's office with me today on this episode of the Reflection Podcast. In the pastor's office is Kurt Taylor, a friend of mine from way back, and welcome, Kurt. Good to be here, Ed. Great to see you again. It's good to be seen. Uh, Kurt Taylor is, um, like I said, a friend from uh, from way back. We're going on 39 years. We've known each other, um, but I wanted to let my listeners know who you are, and I guess I could inter- I could introduce you, but you know you better than anybody else knows you, so... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. We, um, we've we known each other, yeah, 39-plus years, and we met uh, at Concordia, Wisconsin, which is where I'm sitting right now. Uh, and um, I was uh, ordained in 1993 and served uh, Trinity Lutheran Church in Rantoul, Wisconsin, which is uh, about 35 minutes south of Lambeau Field. Uh, and um, uh, I have a wife. Uh, Christine of 35 years and um, uh, two kids, Christian, who is a sports broadcaster in Baltimore, and Corinna, who is an aspiring actor in Chicago. And um, after being at uh, Trinity Rantoul, I went to St. John's Lutheran Church and School in Waltz, Michigan, which is south of uh, Detroit, and uh, had a big church and school and wonderful ministry for 14 years there. Um, also along the way, I'm um, I'm an Air Force chaplain, working with the uh, Michigan Air National Guard for 24 years now, and uh, for the last five years, I was called out of the parish to Concordia, Wisconsin, to head up the Director of Church Ministries program, uh, and uh, to teach theology, uh, mostly uh, practical theology here at Concordia. So I teach classes like evangelism, Christian caregiving. Uh, youth Ministry, Office of the Professional Church Worker, uh, and uh, a Lutheran Confessions, and Religion in America. So those are some of the classes that I'll I'll take on, and uh, love it. Love teaching here, and especially the uh, the people in our program. Um, any chance I have, I let uh, people know that. I'm so confident about the future of our church when I see these young people and how on fire they are to serve the Lord in the church. And um, it's a great thing. 
Yeah, Concordia, Wisconsin, Mequon, that's just north of Milwaukee. Uh, that's right. Right on the lakefront there, and it's a beautiful campus. If um, if you're in that area, I just I would recommend anybody just to stop by, and and, and walk the campus. Uh, it's a beautiful setting. Yeah, when we when we talk to prospective students, if I'm talking to them on the phone or on Zoom or whatever, uh, usually one of the first questions I ask is, if if they haven't made their decision yet, where they're going to go for college, I ask if they've been on our campus yet, and if they say no. I say don't make a decision until you've been here because you will fall in love with this campus. It is really something. Yeah, Concordia is a wonderful, and I'm a source, I'm biased um, being, a, being an alum as well. But the, not only is the setting beautiful, but it's a, it's a very powerful university. Um, and, and I think it is the largest university in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod University system. And it's one of the, it's one of the best uh, private schools in the state of Wisconsin and in the country too, and we're we've kind of adjoined with Concordia Ann Arbor. We are uh, kind of one entity now uh, as Concordia. In fact, our official name is no longer Concordia University Wisconsin. Our official name is Concordia University Wisconsin Ann Arbor C U W A A. Uh, that's that's how close our partnership is and. Um, one of the things that I like a lot about Concordia, Wisconsin, is that uh, we are still a very Christian Lutheran university, and um, uh, it matters to us that we are a university of, of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and you'll find this in the classrooms. We teach, we teach classic uh, Lutheran theology, as well as, then, all of the other things that that are taught here at Concordia from uh, occupational therapy to uh, pharmacy to environmental sciences, just everything here. Uh, but it's all under that umbrella of being um, a very solid Christian Lutheran university. What is the, tell me a little bit about the, the day-to-day duties of Kurt Taylor. You know, what do you do during the day and, and especially during the school year? Yeah. Um, I'll usually teach uh, a, a few classes. Um, I would teach like four classes uh, in a semester. And so everything, that was the first thing you, you realize about coming to teach at a college is everything is geared around the classes. And so when, um, uh, when I'll get into the office, I'll get my stuff together and we'll go teach a class in the morning. Maybe there'll be a break for an hour and then go teach another class. A lot of my time is spent uh, doing administrative stuff too, since I'm the head of this program that we'll talk about. Um, I'm uh, I'm always involved in uh, organizing my students, making sure that they're on the right track. I, I I am their academic advisor as well for the people in the DCM program, which has actually been the hardest thing to to master. I still don't think I've done that yet, just because of all of the intricacies of curriculum and and want to make sure that the students graduate when they're supposed to. Um, the teaching part I have found to be exhilarating and uh, love that. So then then you then you get into the tedium of, of administrative stuff and overseeing internships and uh, and all of that. So really, if the mornings are occupied with teaching, the afternoons are going to be occupied with administrative responsibilities and then 
whatever grading and paper reading goes with teaching. Uh, and then, uh, then I get home at night. Uh, one of the one of the one of the nice things is that um, uh, Ed, you know, uh, being a pastor as long as you have, I was a pastor for 24 years in the parish, and uh, where everything geared around the weekend, you know, the 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 uh, Sunday service and Bible class, and now I have weekends off, so <laughs> I can uh, I can go in and and do my favorite thing to do, and that's just go preach somewhere, and um, and then go home. So it's it's good. I uh, I enjoy what what we're doing here. We're going to get back to what what it is that you are ahead of there at Concordia, but I just want to touch a little bit briefly on uh, your chaplaincy uh, with the Air Force. Yeah, well, I've been doing that for uh, twenty three plus years, and uh, most of it has been in Michigan. When I took the call to St. John's in Waltz. Um, uh, I ended up uh, joining with the Michigan Air National Guard in uh, Battle Creek, and um, it's been a great career. I think I'm actually uh, getting ready to end it in about a year. I think uh, we'll probably be retiring, but uh, I'm now the head Air Force chaplain in, in uh, Michigan, and uh, that takes me to various places. We have three Air Force bases there uh, in the Battle Creek, in Alpena, and in the Detroit area. but. What a chaplain does is uh, basically be a pastor to the people in the military. And here one um, uh, is going to be dealing with a lot of airmen that are Christian, very, some of them very dedicated Christians who come from whatever, non-denominational, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, all different backgrounds. But also, uh, I have the opportunity to to work with people that that really don't have any kind of religious affiliation and there's always that fine line that you walk because as pastors Ed, you and I it, it's just so natural for us to talk about the love of God in in Jesus Christ and um, it's not as though I can't talk about that but there are a number of people that have never heard about it before and um, and so one tries to uh, work that in if if one can uh, without forcing it in, into anybody. Right now my job, I'm the head chaplain also at our base in Battle Creek, so I do a lot less counseling than I than I have in the past and now it's mostly being in charge of, of the program, uh, meeting with the commanders and just doing a lot of uh, uh, leadership type stuff. I did have probably the most rewarding part of this career is when I deployed to um, Operation Enduring Freedom back in 0708. It was in a country called Kyrgyzstan. It was in the war zone, but we weren't, it's not like I was diving into foxholes. I was safe. Uh, but uh, I would, I had the people, we were the last base into the war zone and the first base when people were coming out of the fight. And so, uh, I had both ends, the people that were kind of scared about going in, uh, I would they would come and see me and those that were coming out talking about the things that they'd seen uh, and trying to deal with the, the, the horrors of war. We did that for um, a number of months, 07, 08, and uh, it really was the most rewarding part of, of my chaplaincy experience. Been able to have some really tough 
deployments to to uh, uh, to Germany and France and Italy, those kinds of things. So, um, but yeah, it's been a great career. Well, thank you for your service. I'll definitely. Thank you. Uh, it, it's amazing when I when I talk with chaplains as well as um, uh, personnel who have been overseas or uh, serving here. Um, and I've been able to talk with World War II vets all the way on up. Uh, and I always thank them for their service because we, we get to do what we do here in the United States because of people like you and, and who have served in the military. So, well, thank I, you. I appreciate that. And I'll just add. Uh, oftentimes I'm asked why I decided to join the military and after giving the regular answer of wanting to serve God and country uh, the selfish answer is that I um, I wanted to hang out with heroes and, and, you do. Um, and that's what I've been able to do uh, just uh, and and one of the analogies that we use a chaplain is like uh, Aaron and her in in the Old Testament mm -hmm. who held up Moses's arms so that the Israelites could continue victorious in battle and that's kind of what I see my job as being we have so many heroes uh, in in the military and and I'm there to hold up their arms so that they can accomplish the mission well thank you so much okay let's talk about director of church ministry and first the, the thing that I wanted to talk about uh, first in that is why you what 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 do you think God was doing when, or thinking when he called you to do that program? Yeah, still kind of asking that question. <laughs> um, and it's funny, uh, Ed, because um, when this first came up, I was uh, perfectly content as a pastor at St. John's in Waltz, Michigan. Loved the ministry, loved the people, loved the area, everything about it. And quite honestly... When the first inquiry was made about whether I might be interested in heading this up, my answer was no, uh, thank you, uh, but no, uh, not interested. And I tell my students this as they're going into church work because uh, you can say no to God if you want, but but He's going to figure out a way to to, to get you to do what He wants you to do, and that's. That's really what ended up happening. As it moved on, I, I could tell that God was kind of uh, changing my attitude until finally we got to the point where uh, it was it was okay, God, if this is what you want me to do, and if I get the call to do it, then let's go see. And um, so that's what happened. And it wasn't without um, uh, you know interviews and and things like that, but. <clears throat> Uh, I think one of the things, Ed, uh, that I bring to this is the fact that I've had the parish experience that you've had. Um, I, I've had, um, in t 24 years in the parish, um, we have some amazing theology professors here in our hallway who have in very impressive degrees. And we need that. We need that for our students because these guys are the best at what they do and the best at theology. But I think Concordia at the time also realized that it would be beneficial to have somebody here that had some academic credentials, and I'm definitely not up with these other guys, but, uh, but, uh, but has been out there, has seen how it works out in the field. And I think the, the chaplaincy 
uh, aspect as well of my career might have uh, had some appeal to those who are looking uh, just because of the experience I've had working with people, working with the church, knowing what it's like to be out there in the, in the parish. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why they, they wanted me to do this. Awesome. So let's talk about that program. What the director of church ministry, what is it? What what does somebody do that's going into that program? What what are they going to do? Yep. The um, people of, of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and I know you'll have listeners outside of the LCMS, but for those who are inside the LCMS, everybody has heard of DCE, Director of Christian Education. And uh, certainly for many, many, many years of our synod, you had essentially uh, three uh, categories of church worker. You were a pastor, or you were a Lutheran school teacher, or you were a DCE, somewhere in between pastor and teacher or, or whatever. And the DCE was the professional called church worker that would often uh, do uh, teaching around the parish and, and maybe lead the youth group, things like that. And uh, their focus was, was education uh, and theology. So that had been going on for a long time in Synod, and and it still does, and it's a very a vibrant and relevant program in our church body. Um, Concordia, Wisconsin is, as you mentioned before, the largest of the Concordias. We have the largest theology department, and therefore we're able to offer uh, a larger array of theology classes and so on, and it was kind of determined that we would have a program similar to DCE, but the major would be theology, uh, not education, that that would be the focus. And um, here at Concordia, there was a program that existed since the early 60s called the Lay Ministry Program, and that had equipped uh, people to be professional church workers uh, with a relatively brief education. They could do it without a bachelor's degree. And um, it served our synod, uh, but uh, it was kind of determined that that program had uh, lived out its, its usefulness. And we wanted to refashion a program that would build on lay ministry, but now take into account our desire that our students be uh, well, well-trained theologically, have a bachelor's degree, and be able to uh, work for a pastor in virtually any capacity that the pastor would want him or her to, to work in. And so the, the program was redesigned, and then that's when I came in to implement it. And uh, the Director of Church Ministries program is so one of the ways I define this, I know you're a baseball guy, Ed. Uh, one of the things that we do is we're trying to create utility infielders here so that if the pastor needs somebody to teach a Bible class, our DCM would be able to do that. If the pastor needs somebody to direct a VBS, our, uh, our DCMs can do that. If, if the pastor needs somebody, maybe he's gone for a while, to go visit and, and take a devotion to shut-ins. Our students have been taught how to do that so that our students get great foundational theology, Old Testament, New Testament, Lutheran confessions, you name it, 
but we also teach them a lot of practical theology, and these are the classes that I teach, evangelism, youth ministry, Christian caregiving, so that they have uh, been exposed to so many aspects of the ministry of a congregation. Now, that's not to say that every one of them is going to go into a congregation. I've had some that have been on fire for camp ministry, and uh, as you know, that's a that's a very vibrant mm-hmm. and important ministry. Uh, it's changed people's lives to go to one of our camps. And so I've had students that that was their desire, and we just had one. I was able to place her at a camp uh, near Indianapolis where, where she'll be the camp director. But most of our students are aiming for uh, the parish. Um, I can just keep talking, Ed, if you want. Go for it. Because, um, Absolutely. The... Uh, our on-campus students are are majoring in theology but and then minoring in practical theology but then we also ask them to choose a specialization so what what do you want to focus on and especially when you're ready to go into the parish and take a call into the parish what do you want to do when you get there um, and the, the of the specializations that we offer uh, include a mission work if a student has their sights set on going into the mission field, evangelism if they want to be the, the the point person in a congregation for evangelism and outreach, social work slash pre-deaconess. Um, there is of course the ministry in the LCMS uh, for young women, or not just young women but all women who would want to serve the church professionally with a master's degree. They can be deaconesses. And so we uh, we get them to that point where they can start studying their 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 deaconess program at one of our seminaries, um, and um, uh, parish education is another specialization for the student that really thinks that they are uh, gifted or being called to uh, to teach, but not necessarily as a Lutheran school teacher in a classroom, but parish education, but. Uh, the majority of my students have their sights set on being a youth director and so that's the other specialization and so they take extra classes in youth ministry they do an internship which is kind of a general thing where you're uh, learning just how a church works and then they do another internship that we call a practicum where if your specialization is youth ministry you're going to be working under and shadowing uh, a, a youth director, a real live church youth director in a congregation. Both of those are semester long and they're done at the same time as the students are taking other classes so they're oftentimes local. Um, some of my students will do their internships or their practicums during the summer at their home church but anyways that's uh, that's an aspect of it and um, uh, and then when uh, the four years are done, and many of them get done quicker than four years, uh, I go to work and try and find a congregation for them that would fit their skills. And we get plenty of requests uh, from congregations around the country uh, for people to be uh, church workers, to work with and under a pastor and and his oversight uh, in a congregation. And it's becoming more and more and more uh, necessary for us to have these students. Uh, I'll be honest with you, this last time, when I first got here five years ago, 
I was working hard to find placements for our students, but this last year, uh, of the, I had students that wanted to go out and take a call, and I probably had three times the requests. Uh, I didn't have enough students to fill all the requests because our church, I think, with with its um, uh, with our need for church workers. Uh, uh, and and the fact that I think our program is being discovered um, are very much interested in 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 talking about our students. One of the other aspects of our program that is unique from the other auxiliary offices in the church is that our students minor also in nonprofit management, um, and so they take classes in marketing. They'll take a class in fundraising. You guys don't do any fundraising at your church, do you, Ed? <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> and and um, uh, marketing, fundraising, managing change, legal issues in congregations. I, I tell you, as a pastor, uh, I would have loved to have yeah. somebody on my staff that at least dipped their toe into things like marketing and, and taking the classes on fundraising and so on. Uh, they can be tremendous assets to a congregation, and that's another thing that I think becomes uh, kind of appealing about our program. That's incredible because, as you, you know, you yourself, when at seminary, we didn't have those we didn't have a class on marketing. We didn't have a class on fundraising. And, and yet, right. guess what we do a lot of in the church? We don't just get up on Sunday morning. <laughs> it's funny you say that because right after I got my first call, I know you met my dad at some point along the way from uh, New Hampshire with his Boston accent. And yep. I got to my first church, and I'm talking to my dad on the phone, and and uh, he was a businessman his whole life, worked for United Parcel. And... Uh, he said, so now now you're a pastor. I go, yeah. He said, and you're going to be in charge of that church. I said, well, I mean, I don't know if I'd put it that way. He says, you don't know how to run anything. None of you pastors know how to run anything. I, I said, well, you're, I can't argue with you, Dad. Uh, we had to learn that, didn't we, on yes. the fly when, when, when we're doing it. Exactly. And I know that after 28 years, I, your dad was right. <laughs> he was absolutely correct. And I'm so glad to hear that. I know that it's a little bit uh, selfish on my part, but we are looking into that program here at our own church to bring yeah. somebody in to do stuff like that, uh, especially in the general area of youth ministry, but also marketing and yeah. fundraising and, and nonprofit management. That's an incredible um, I mean, the churches are full of lay people that do that, and we have a wonderful group here at our church that does that. But, man, it would be great to have more help um, yeah. and fresh ideas. So talk yeah. to uh, And I, I might add, if, I, if it's all right, yeah. uh, I could also describe uh, we have the on-campus traditional undergraduates. So these are college-age students like we're all used to, 18 to 22. And these are the ones that major in the DCM program and take the theology, nonprofit management and all that. But the other uh, arena of the DCM program is online. So I have about 25 students on campus and I have about 25 online. And that uh, aspect of the DCM program is for those that already have an involvement in a congregation. These are usually adults that uh, that have been around the church for a while 
Uh, I have a police officer in, in our online program. I have a bank president in our online program. But what, what they are doing is they already have a love for their church. They're already active in their church, and they want to get the theological credentials to receive a call uh, into that church. And so oftentimes they're even being sponsored by their congregation uh, so that they can be a called church worker instead of a hired church worker. And um, typically that program uh, takes about two and a half years to get through all of our 15 or so theology classes and the internship. And then typically these online students will then receive a call to the congregation where, where they're already volunteering or, or working and uh, continue on now uh, in a professional manner. Also, if, if a person doesn't have a bachelor's degree, but professional church work is something that interests them, Concordia can do it where you can get the bachelor's degree and the DCM certification to receive a call uh, at the same time. And I have a handful of students that are that are doing that too. So the online program is for those, most of them have families, they're going to be living in wherever they're going to live, they're not looking to relocate, and they're looking to stay at their church or in a, a church in their area and uh, want the credentials to receive a call. So put on your recruiter hat. Who are you looking for? Who? What would be a good person? And you mentioned a few of them because it's going to be a spectrum, I'm, I'm assuming, of, a, of an age and experience. But who would be a good candidate for this position? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because I'll, I'll, I'll have to answer it a couple of ways. The, the on-campus program, um, uh, you know, I should have brought a picture in and held it up here just, <laughs> just so you could see these awesome young faces. Um, the thing that these young people have in common because I've asked them all, all right, why do you think God is leading you into church work? And um, there, there are a couple of things that all of them have in common. One uh, is that somewhere along the way, uh, there was a big difference made in their life by a church worker. Whether it was their pastor, whether it was their DCE, whether it was their Lutheran school teacher, uh, Ed, you've got yours. Mine is uh, a, a Lutheran school teacher, a principal by the name of Mr. Bachelman. Um Had I mean, his influence on me is one of the big reasons why I um, I went toward being a pastor. But the other thing in common that that these young people have is that they go to church, um, and uh, I, that, that sounds kind of elementary or or whatever, but you know. Uh, we raise our kids in the church, and it it matters that we do. Almost all of these young people uh, have families that uh, they took in the church every Sunday, or or, or almost that much, and that uh, develops a love for the Lord and a love for the church. So, who am I looking for? But that's not to say um, that somebody that didn't have that background wouldn't work here. Um, I'm looking for somebody who's on fire for the Lord and just wants to serve the Lord and maybe doesn't know how to do it yet. And, um, and we'll let them know, here's, here's a way you can do it. Here's some opportunities. Um, 
and and as they're as they're learning as they're going on you know they'll be exposed to teaching they'll be exposed to youth ministry and whatever and pretty much all of them grasp onto something before they get too far along um, the majority of the on-campus students uh, though already have in their minds that they want to be youth directors again because so often they've had some sort of really influential experience uh, with uh, with their youth director and they want to be that person for somebody else um, I'll also say not all of my students are Lutheran uh, we we've turned out graduates that are Baptist and are Methodist what we do is of course I can't place them in their congregation but we give them an endorsement that says uh, this student has completed uh, the coursework necessary for professional church work and we endorse them to you and uh, these students have had a lot of success finding a, a job in, in their own church body based on the education that they received with us. So for our on-campus program, I'm looking for somebody young, somebody on fire, somebody that knows they want to serve the Lord. Maybe they know they want to be a youth director, or maybe they're not sure yet. Uh, boy, we're going we're gonna to start telling them about this. And then our online program that I kind of uh, mapped out for you, it's it really is that person who has been active in a congregation has been helping the pastor out already is teaching Bible classes or is making visits to shut-ins or whatever um, those those are the ones then that can be so valuable in a professional role uh, that we will suggest to them hey if you if you get in our online program we're gonna teach you even more theology and when you're done you'll be able to receive a call like a Lutheran school teacher has a DCE has a, a pastor has into that congregation and be and be a church worker for them so um, if if you go into a congregation and here's somebody that has been leading the youth group but they work as a I don't know pick something a, a nurse or a truck driver or something like that uh, but they just love being a part of the church. That's the kind of person you say, "Hey, would you, would you want to do this professionally? Would you want to do this as your career? Let's let's get you into our program and and get you what you need so that you can." Great. So you said you were doing this for about five years. What what surprised you about this? What what was something you 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 came in, but all of a sudden I didn't expect this. Um. Yeah, boy, we could go in a lot of directions with that one. Um, let, let's start with the, um, the the challenging aspect of it, and that is to to master the intricacies of uh, higher education and curriculum necessities, and learn. Okay, I can get away with this with my students. They can take this class instead of that one, but here this one's non-negotiable. They have to take it or else the college is going to be upset about it. Um, that's the aspect to, to, to understand the, the culture of higher education um, uh, administratively uh, and, and be able to function in this environment so that the preordained... Uh, requirements for graduation and so on are met by your students. That's been the biggest challenge. Um, the greatest source of excitement, though, 
uh, on the positive side is just being a part of these young people's lives. Um, Ed, these young people will come in and they'll just plop down in my office and we'll talk. And this is, I mean, you know how it was, college age, there's a lot of stuff going on, yeah. a lot of growing up that's happening, a lot of questions that are being asked. And to be in a position where these students will come to me and talk about the biggest things in their lives and about their futures and so on, that has been uh, the greatest satisfaction, is to be a part of these young people's lives and know that they're going to be out there, they're going to be in the church, and we're going to be colleagues soon, um, and to and to help help move them uh, toward that is um, so rewarding and, and so exhilarating. I can only imagine. I mean, you are going to be, and and I'll, I'll throw some names out there uh, because I think you'll agree with this. You're going to be that Dr. Mashkey that that was for us, uh, or uh, Wayne Rasmussen, or you know, Dr. Koshi. These are the people that that were teachers and they were professors, but they were our they we would they became our colleagues. They they became our friends, um, and and it's just it made such an impact. So I, I'm I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> well, and, but that's but that's one thing too is how many career fields can a person literally change somebody's life in a, in a moment or with a statement or with some dedication? That's what church work is. Um. You know, we always used to joke about how we didn't get paid. We don't get paid very well. It's not too bad. We can make a living in church work. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're not going to be buying a yacht, but we do okay. But but it's a it's a career field where you have the ability, being directed by God, to change people's lives every time you open your mouth, every time you show love and kindness, and um, that's that's what we're doing here. That's what we're uh, training these young people to do, and that's what you do as a pastor. And I guess I know you said you kind of envy the, the fact that I'm part of these young people's lives. Um, I guess I really didn't realize how important uh, my role was as a pastor of a congregation until I left it. Yeah. It was probably just as well because I'd probably been nervous, more nervous about it. I was just I was just doing my job day to day to day. And now that I'm out of it, and I see the impact that pastors and teachers and church workers have, and, and DCMs and DCEs have on young people, um, it's amazing. And so I envy you in that you are you are on the front lines, uh, getting it done. Yeah, it's a humbling experience, but you're right; it is very, very rewarding. Uh, you mentioned uh, uh, somebody that was influential in um, in shaping who you are today, a teacher. Um, mentors that you have that to get you where you are today. The one that, that comes to mind first uh, was in the Air Force, and his name is Colonel Roger Seidel. He was uh, the commander of our, of our base in Battle Creek when I was just a young chaplain. And uh, I watched him as a leader. Um, the leadership um, qualities that I saw in him are what I try to. Um, uh, that's what I aspire to. I saw, I saw an individual who was so little about himself, 
and so much about the people he was leading. Um, and I know that it cost him. You know, there's a game that can be played. It can be played in the church, too. The, but certainly there's a game that can be played in the military where if you cozy up to the right people and play that little political arm of things, you can, you can get you can maybe get to that ultimate level. Colonel Seidel didn't do that. Um, he stuck up for his people, and sometimes that meant that those above him didn't appreciate it because he wasn't playing the game necessarily the way that you would play it if you want to end up being a general. Uh, but that, as much as that would have been a good thing for him, um, he, um, he, was, he, he had too much integrity to play that game, and instead focused all of his attention and all of his energy on his people, on those that, that were on the base, leading them, uh, showing them what it's like to be an airman, and and as a young chaplain, um, he would, reg I, I think he made a decision at some point, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help this young man along, and he would ask me to come into his office. Now, mind you, he's the commander, he's in charge of everything. And here I am, this young captain, and he would call me into his office, and we'd spend an hour talking. And I ended up having influence on him as well. He's actually a Missouri City Lutheran now. I'll have you know that. <laughs> but the the impact he had on me, uh, just learning what it's like to be a leader, uh, and and to do it in a way that is about the people you're leading and not yourself, um, he would rank at the top of that list. Awesome. What about you? What about you? <laughs> Mentors for me, you know, I, I was, in fact, I was just talking with somebody earlier today. We had the same mentor, Norman Nagel, uh, who was a professor at our seminary. Um, now he's in the Saint, uh, the Church Triumphant, but he was very instrumental in uh, helping me, um, especially in preaching. He didn't teach preaching. Uh, that wasn't his specialty uh, at the seminary, but he, he taught me the importance of words and using words. And, and then he just spent time. So important. He would just let this seminary student sit in his office hours on end and tell it. He would tell stories and he would tell, you know, this is what this means and this is what that means. And it's just, I just wanted to soak it in. So, yeah, yeah. Norman Nagel and just love the man. So, yes, I, I, uh, I concur. I, I don't think I, I was as close to him as you were, but certainly in the classroom, uh, I still, I still appreciated him. Yeah. Um, you talked, well, you didn't talk about it, but uh, I, I think there is one in there, and you, you actually got this question ahead of time, so hopefully you gave it a little thought. Um, I'm going to give you a, a, a gigantic billboard, but it is going to be limited in space, so in uh, using a, a few words, but it's going to get out to millions, maybe even billions of people. What do you put on that billboard? Is this about me or about my program? Anything you want. <laughs> Um, what I put on that billboard is God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that is, you that know, is, you got to look it up. Okay. It's, in, it's, you got to look it up. Okay. Um, if I didn't have that much space, I would have, uh, three words. Yep. Uh, four, four words. <laughs> it's all about Jesus. Got it. And that's um, where we as uh, Christians, um, and especially 
those of us that are now a little bit older and in a position to influence younger Christians like like you are as a pastor and like I am here at Concordia um, we can get we can get as deep as anybody wants to get you know you and I are theologically trained and we can go we can talk about whatever anybody wants to talk about theologically or whatever but um, it's all about Jesus it's all about the cross of Jesus it's all about how he loved us so much that he came and uh, became our substitute and died for us and uh, and rose from the dead and that's that's the focus it's all about Jesus and um, uh, that's one of the things that we I try and convey to, to these students in every course I teach um, it all goes back to the cross and that's one thing that we're good at I think over here in in our church body um, a lot of things we're not good at but uh, but we're about we're about Jesus and his cross and so I think um, I think that's where I would I would go with that what would you say well 28 years ago um, when I first when I was uh, uh, in the parish, the first my first day in the parish, uh, it was my ordination day. Someone with a lot more wisdom than me put it down, and it and it and it's on my pulpit. It's been on all my pulpits where I've served. I've served. It's a little phrase it says, "Sir, we wish to see Jesus." That's it. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's how I want to show them that. And of course, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek. You were the one that said that to me uh, at my ordination, and I've never forgotten it. And that's that's what I have tried to make my my whole not just my ministry, but my life. It's about, and I love it. It's it's all about Jesus. When I'm asking these questions, when I interview people, that becomes the title of the podcast. So, oh, okay. So, yeah, I was yeah. A, little, a little hedgy there, but yeah, that's going to be great. Um, I had I had to confirm the verse Second Corinthians. Good. 521. I would look it up. I, I was going to have time. So, hey, um, what's on your nightstand or what's at the top of your Kindle reader uh, books? Anything you might recommend? Well, um, if, if we're talking about, um, you know, other than the Bible and the confessions, books that I have found to be the most useful just in my day to day life and preparation. Actually, I should have grabbed it on my way into the office, and I'm not seeing it right now. But it's a book by Paul Meyer called In the Fullness of Time. Yep. And what he does is he really unpacks the New Testament from a cultural point of view and uh, makes the New Testament a livable world where you can really understand what was going on at the time of Jesus. That was one of the books I would I would always have next to uh, to me in the office. Tremendous help when writing a, a sermon or a Bible study or, or something like that. I'd recommend that one. Um, and um, there was a book I read a long time ago called The Sacred and the Profane, which, um, which is just a, gives us a second view of how honored uh, we are to be in the presence of God, when when we are in the presence of God, we always are. But when we when we step into His presence uh, in in word and sacrament, uh, what what a moment that is and ought to be for us as well. Um, and and I probably add one third. I'd add a third book that's called uh, Grace Upon Grace by an Australian uh, theologian by the name of uh, Kleinig, yep. and um, 
it's it's more of a I don't want to say devotional book, but it's an introspective book that has has you examine your own spirituality and uh, in in the best sense, the truest sense of the word, it's spirituality meaning from the Holy Spirit. Uh, those would be some that I would think of off the top of my head. I have uh, sacred and profane. I've had that on my shelf. I've I need to get it back on my shelf. What I tend to do is I loan them out. <laughs> yeah, and it's been gone for a while now. But I read that a while back as well. And the, I, I have I've heard of uh, Kleinig. I think it's John, right? John Kleinig. Yep. John Kleinig. Right. I'm going to look that one up as well. And those will go in my show notes for our listeners. I'll I'll have links to those books that you can find. And Paul Meyer. In fact, that that inspired me. I'm going to reach out to Paul and see if I can't get him on the podcast. Because man, what a storyteller he is. Yeah, that just, would be that would be so valuable. He has so much. He's he is um, so important to us as a church body. I think he's our he's our church historian. Yes, uh, just fascinating to to listen to. Very good. Um, just to wrap things up, anything that you um, um, wanted me to ask and I didn't? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, but I did my job. You, know, you, and, you and I have known each other for so long, uh, we can practically finish each other's sentences. So uh, I think you probably asked everything that I would have expected, and I think we're all good. Awesome. Well, I want to thank my guest, Kurt Taylor, uh, the Reverend Doctor, Kurt Taylor, but it's just, just Curdy to me, um, and uh, joining us today in the pastor's office. Thanks, Kurt. I appreciate it pleasure, Ed. It's always a pleasure. God's blessings to you and all of your uh, listeners. Thanks for joining me today on the Reflection Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you have any questions or comments about it, you're invited to leave those in the comment section of wherever you're getting this podcast from. Or you can email us at blonsky at stmatsonline.com. That's my last name, blonsky at stmatsonline.com. That's B-L-O-N-S-K-I at S-T-M-A-T-T-S online.com. Share this podcast with others wherever you're getting this podcast from. And go ahead and rate it wherever you're getting this podcast from. From This helps us to get to more and more people. We want to just tell people about Jesus. We want to tell people how God has equipped them and is calling them to uh, acts of ministry in this church in a world that is increasingly going insane, as I put it, and how God really does want to make a difference in somebody's life. So uh, if you are in the uh, northwest suburbs of Chicago, we would love to see you at St. Matthew, where I am on the pastoral staff. You can go to our website at stmats.net, S-T-M-A-T-T-S dot net, to plan your visit, or you can always join us online. All our worship services are streamed live, as well as many of our Bible studies and devotions that we put together each week uh, can be found on us. You can also find us on website, uh, not only on our website, but also on our Facebook page, and I also have a Twitter account, at Ed Blonsky, and you can follow me there as well. Uh, I hope that you will be richly blessed by God. Again, share this podcast with others. Join us again next time. We're here on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. is when the show drops on your favorite podcast uh, outlet and also on our Facebook page and on our uh, YouTube channel. So join us again next time. Again, God's richest blessings to you. I'll see you again next time on The Reflection Podcast.